Kyle Davis is my guest for episode three of Learn from the Pros. Kyle lives in the Pacific Northwest and published his first novel, A Protector's Beginning, last summer, just about the same time I published Righteous Might. He ran into a lot of the same issues that I ran into in the writing process, although he actually managed to push through them just a little bit faster than I did. Kyle talked about his experience as a first-time writer and how that's impacted his latest projects. This is Learn From The Pros. I'm Keith Conrad. And in this podcast, I talk with writers about how they became writers and the lessons they've learned along the way. Kyle, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. So when we were talking earlier, I learned you also work in radio. Yeah, it seems like all of my guests for everything end up being radio people. But this time it was completely unplanned and actually just a coincidence. That Yeah. Now, radio world, uh, we'll say the peripheral of the radio world. So um, I don't I don't deal with the radios. I'm the guy who keeps the building and the um, the place from falling down on the radio. Yeah, I'm a producer, so probably the biggest part of my job is just making sure the host doesn't lose the license. So we've all got our little part to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. Someone has to keep the lights on and keep the government happy and the the proper permits filed. I've gone a little into my backstory in the first couple of episodes of this podcast. So tell me how you decided to go from working in the periphery of radio to being a writer. Yeah, so I actually had finished my my this book was actually published before I got my current job. Um, as the director of facilities for a radio station. But I really, so to take it all the way back, I grew up out in the country, you know, on a tree farm, actually. Big, big deal where I grew up was tree farms. Everyone had a tree farm. Like a, a um, Christmas tree farm or just Christmas a tree farm? Christmas oh, tree okay. farm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had about 10 to 15,000 trees, which was incredibly small out in our area. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, each year be planting tons of trees. And I grew up actually in the trades out in the country. My old man has a construction company. So I grew up either working for him on the job sites, working on our farm or working for others around the neighborhood. Everything from bucking hay to digging ditches to mowing fields to being 13 years old, doing roofing, learn how to frame. I started running my own construction crews when I was 16, doing roofing crews and framing crews. So I've been in the trades my entire life, but at the exact same time of being in that, in that very blue collar kind of, you know, work hard, play hard, kind of grind it out. I've Uh always had this imagination, this kind of vivid space I could escape to ever since I was a kid. And you know how a lot of people, when you start growing up, especially as you get the pressures of adulthood, a lot of people see that fade. I never Uh did mine just kept growing. It just was always there, no matter kind of what stage of life. Sometimes it might not be as active, but then uh, I started seeing these other stories and other ideas. And I'm like, you know what? I, I want to know more about my, the, the, the worlds I'm thinking of in my head and daydreaming about. So I said, okay, you know, I want to write. And so I, I dabbled. I did a few short stories here and there, but nothing big. And it wasn't until my early 20s and after I was already married for a, a bunch of years, I was like, you know, I want to write a book. You know, I really want to do it. My my wife knew all my stories, you know, all kind of ideas I've been putting around. I'm like, what should I write? And she picks, which at the time was the, the protector's beginning. It wasn't even named that. All I had was the main character's name, Jason Verse. 
And the story looked completely different at that point. And she said, okay, I want you to write that one. I'm like, ah. and she's like, no, you're going to write that one. Cause you're going to him and haw for the next three or four years. Go write that one and just start writing. So in reality, I would have never put my first words down if it wasn't for her just telling me, go puke on paper. You'll figure it out after that. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, an a, important, that, yeah. that's an important thing because, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this a few times. I think the, the best writing advice I've ever, I've ever gotten, uh, it came from uh, C. Robert Cargill, who wrote um, uh, Doctor Strange, both, you know, the, the first movie and the one that's actually in production now. Um, you know, he, he basically said, just get it done, because once you've actually completed it, like you, you'll be amazed at you know, for, from that point on, it's, it's just not as intimidating and yeah. it's a lot easier to edit something than it is to write it the first time. So once you get, even if it's terrible, once you get something and you can actually edit it, it's a lot easier. I actually find editing harder personally. I actually find it easier to write the manuscripts than to edit them. But I'm actually, I'm horrific when it comes to to the grammar rules and spelling, which is odd for a writer. But I, <laughs> well, I, I, I always I, tell people, I was like, you know, I don't know my, I, I can write. I don't know English necessarily all that well. <laughs> I, I can spin a yarn, but I can't, uh, I can't diagram a sentence basically. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, I think the, some of the best writing, writing advice I've gotten is really, it would probably be two tidbits. And one of them, you know, just your general sayings of, you know, that whole puke it on paper. It's really just start. Start with the most terrible thing you can do. And that's actually how I start almost every story. I write the crappiest, most terrible beginning I can imagine. Two or three sentences of uh, the sky is blue. John picked himself up. He then ate an apple. Like I just – what? and I mean I just make it bad. And then I start the real story and I just think to myself, as long as it's better than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> So, um, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, your wife kind of kind of picked that to be your first uh, story, but where did the original idea come from? So the original idea really morphed over time that I'm I'm a very big fan of, uh, you know, kind of the quest. I'm I'm an old D&D player. I've been playing D&D for the last 20 years and love fantasy books and sci-fi. And I've always been a huge fan of that kind of quest where you find that item and it changes you and it gives you power. And then you uh, then also diving into that moral dilemma, because that's really where the protector's beginning really works on a lot is the morality of what Jason, the main character, is going through and how uh, this ring that gives him power doesn't grant him – it grants him authority but not morality. That morality has to come from him and how do you represent that? And I really wanted to create a character, especially nowadays. You don't see a lot of young male characters for the male demographic and I really wanted to create someone that my son could look up to. You know, mm -hmm. if he's going to read this, is, 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 am I going to have a little boy look up and want to be like Jason? And one of the bigger factors even was I read all of these young adult books and these fantasy books and sci-fi and the kid always starts out 10 years old, 11 years old, finds the ring and finds the sword, finds the, the thimble of so-and-so and learns how to fight in two weeks and is super strong. And that's always just irked me for some reason. So I'm like, you know what? I'm start uh, different. Where somebody is actually searching for the thimble of so-and-so. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. 
But I mean, he doesn't actually search for it. The ring actually calls to him, but he starts out older. He starts at a seven. He starts out at seventeen in the story, and he starts out already very physically fit and a trained fighter. You find out really early in the story that his uncle, who actually raised him because his parents passed, is actually ex ex Green Beret, ex Special Forces, and he didn't know how to raise kids, so he just raised a, a soldier basically. He taught him how to fight, how to shoot, how to, you know, kind of be this man the only way that he knew how to. And so when Jason gets that ring, when he starts this new duty as that champion of Earth, as that defender against that deep dark, he's not starting at zero. But I mm -hmm. make sure he's he's falling on his face. You know, that gritty, oh, he's 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 in combat, and he's freaking out, and he's tripping over his own feet. So, you know, he's not this this amazing person, but I wanted to see how far can you push somebody? You know, if I, if I don't start him at zero, how far can I get this character to flush out? How much can I abuse him? How far can I push his training and his skill? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's really was a big, uh, you know, something that I was really fascinated about. So that's where I started really developing, okay, he's going to be older, you know, what's kind of some of his personality traits, where does he get some of that? So I'm guessing as you were first starting out, you didn't, you know, you weren't facing any sort of uh, uh, deadline that was imposed from from outside. Well, you so, just self-imposed ridiculous yeah, deadlines. Yeah. So how long did it take take you to uh, to actually do it? And and were you like me, where you said, "Oh yeah, I'll finish it uh, next month," and it and it turns out to be like a year later. Well, it was more than a year. It was like three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I finished the first manuscript in eight months, and that was okay. the first rough draft. But then uh, it was actually during a stage of life where a lot of things were happening. I had my first kid, you know. Then I ended up losing a job, got a new job, bought a house. So uh, it took me from beginning to end about three and a half years, four years almost. And but that was. By the time that I had actually published it, self-published it, I've had three kids and have bought two different houses and have been through three different jobs. So I've taken pretty good breaks from it during that time to kind of focus on different aspects of life. Yeah. And a few times I've also just put it away because I was getting really discouraged. I went through about six months where I almost gave up writing and rewriting it two or three times because the first edited version was really bad. And then kind of going through me like, okay, learning the craft, learning my mistakes and going back and taking the time to fix those mistakes. Did you realize when you were looking at it that it was bad or, or was it, you know, oh, a, it wasn't a, until later. I got a few, uh, I had a few conversations with agents. Actually, I was able to pitch in person and had some really good, you know, hard advice, you know, about what was wrong with the book. You know, the first thing was its length. The beginning draft was way too long way too mm -hmm. long. It was like 130,000 words. And they're like, "That's there's no market for that. It's like, no one's going to buy that from you as your first book. And they gave me constructive feedback. And then it was really just bit by bit, you know, okay, we'll learn this, go through that. And then I shelved it. And then the pandemic hit and it just occurred to me one day. I think it was, it, it was, it was almost like, like God put this on my heart to say, Hey, you know, maybe this is the time look at it again. So I started looking at it again, doing a little work on it. And then I started seeing this uptick in the industry and in publishing where everyone is needing more entertainment because of yeah. everyone's stuck at home. 
I'm like, okay, maybe this is the time to publish it then. Let's, let's work it out. So I went as hard and deep as I could into self-publishing for three solid months. I just researched. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to feel ready, but let's publish it. And so you went to the self-publishing route through through Amazon, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through Amazon. I have looked at different options for self-publishing and at some point I will. Currently it is with Ken, um, Kindle Unlimited, so which is a, a proprietary contract. I can't publish anywhere else while it's within that. Yeah. But I can pull it out with every quarter you have a renewal period where you're able to pull it out of that Kindle Unlimited. So most likely when I publish the second book is when I'll pull it out have it just sold on Amazon and then most likely list at other places as well. Ingram Sparks, Barnes and Nobles, you know, a few other places. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you had to, uh, you, you had a lot of plates spinning, uh, you know, while you were writing this particular, particular first book. Um, you know, aside from the, like the, you know, those sorts of important things like, you know, growing Kids. family and buying houses and, and, you know, finding new jobs. Uh, you know, when you were actually involved in the writing, what was the biggest obstacle you, you feel like you had overcome? I think the first one was the self-imposed pressure, mm-hmm. you know, of having the self-imposed deadlines of having that expectation for it to be perfect right off the bat, mm-hmm. not giving myself enough grace. Yeah, I think uh I think I I ran in, into that with with mine too where um you know, I think I mean it all total I was probably working on it about the same amount of time that uh, that you were um but it seemed like a lot longer because um you know, like I kept telling family and friends, "Oh yeah, I, I'm going to have it done, you know, a few, few weeks, may, maybe a month yep. or two." And yep. it, and it, stretching out to you know a, a, oh it's a a, i actually stopped talking to my family about it at some point because it's like oh man i just gotta stop telling them they're just gonna think i'm lying <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think probably about the time that that uh my my brother specifically who kept kept uh kept bugging me and poking me about it uh, about the time he stopped doing that and i figure he probably gave up i was like sending him the the first half of the book and was like here i'm i'm, I'm cleaning up the rest of it but here take a look at this and he was like oh wow this is actually a thing it exists <laughs> yep oh yeah i know that which it's have you started working on an- another project well, I actually have. It's a kind of a funny story. I was uh, I was going to write uh, a, a novel for Nanorimo, and uh, I started it, and I got probably about halfway through, and then my wife and I both got COVID, and uh, you would think, oh, well, you don't have to work. Uh, you know, you have plenty of time to write or something. But a, uh, I had to keep working through it, and uh, and b. Uh, like literally had no energy to do anything. So that, oh, yeah. that knocked me off of, uh, off of my uh, track. And I, um, since then I actually have uh, started a, another new project and I just sort of shelved the, you know, that, that second book that I was, uh, that I was working on, but I, I am starting to work on, on, uh, on one now. It's, it's a story that's not related to the, 
to the first book that I did, uh, but I have have started on it, and that that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about as as well, and and all the writers that I, I'm talking to in this podcast. Um, I know that having gone through the experience of writing the first book, like I actually have a much better idea of sort of what I need to do, what a realistic pace is. Exactly, and, that's what I was actually getting at because I. Yeah. The second book I've written, which just doesn't have anything to do with the Jason Verse series, it's a brand new series that I would be starting. It's actually an adult action adventure, kind of a spy thriller. Oh, um, I, like it. I wrote it from beginning to final, like my final edited product in about 14 months or so. So in oh, about wow. oh, a little less than a year and a half. You know, so big difference between that and, you know, three or four years. Right, and still not working on it full time because you've got a no, got no, a, no. That yeah, that was I had a full time job. I ended up losing my job during COVID, so I was unemployed for about four months. So that was actually a big, big win for me. Luckily, because it worked out good, where I landed in a, a good new job. But mm -hmm. I really took that time while I was searching for jobs and you know, kind of figuring stuff out. I even started my own side business as a consultant to make a little money. I was able to really dedicate a good chunk of time into the book and get it just burned through. So, you know, without that, I probably would have been pushing more like 18 months, maybe two years. Yeah. And I, and I think for, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I come back to the idea that since I've actually completed it, like even if it's not at the top of the bestseller list, even if some people will read it and think it's garbage, uh, I know that I got through it and I know that the next one will be better and um, exactly. you know, I'm, I'm learning and getting better. So th there isn't quite the, uh, the self-doubt, but mostly it's, hey, this one might suck too, but let's just get it out there and see, you know, rather yep. than rather than guessing as to whether or not it's any good let let's let's throw it out there and see what happens oh yeah well that's what i've done with some of the short stories i had no intention of publishing my short stories especially the sparta i i, I had i wrote a chunk of that years and years ago and then i just shelved it and it was you know halfway done not edited and it just sat in one of my just my my stash folders on my computer and then you know, after publishing uh, the protector's beginning is like, you know what maybe i should publish something else you know i've seen some people doing short stories maybe i have one i can brush off and i looked through them and i saw it and i kind of just paced my way through it and it it ended up being amazing it is not my most reviewed work but everyone who's read it just the reaction just blows my mind like i can't even it doesn't even compute with me like you like it like you actually like it like this is weird <laughs> Like, are you yeah, okay? Things where uh, you know, like, like on Amazon, for example, I've had a, a well, I've had one one bad review that basically just said I I ripped off a movie, and uh, <laughs> um, and, and like literally in the acknowledgments, I mentioned the movie, so I don't know that I could, anybody could say I actually ripped it off. But yeah, um, but you gotta have a bad. See, I haven't had any terrible, ter like one star reviews yet. I'm waiting for it because I don't feel like a real writer until I get that. Yeah, I, but but I think like the, the most amazing thing was was a um, knowing that you know I was like getting uh, invoices from people that I didn't know, so people <laughs> people I don't know are, are are reading it, and also people I don't know are are leaving reviews about it. That's it's, yeah. it's kind of a kind of a weird feeling. 
Well, that blew my mind because I had like a lot of them I know through Twitter. I know most of the people who've read it, you know, through Twitter, through social media, I've connected with them. I've built a lot of really good friendships on on Twitter and really good support in that kind of indie author environment. But ever so often, some random review will pop up. Like, I don't, I have no clue who this person is. Like, I have absolutely no clue, but, but they love the story. Yeah. That, you got to sit there and just stare at the screen. You're just like, um, did I do that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so obviously you've, uh, uh, you know, you've, you've, uh, kind of got, gotten a beachhead in the, in the indie author world and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, even more success in the future. Um, if you could, if you could uh, jump in a time machine and uh, and talk to your your past self when you were starting the first book, like what what would you what what would you want to know? I would probably uh, I'd probably go with three three things, and I would I would take a very large baseball bat with myself so I could get it through my thick skull because I don't <laughs> seem to learn things until a two by four places it firmly in my forehead. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably start with the first one of just ease up. Biggest thing is, you know, it, it, and this is hard because a lot of people like that, you want to write, you want to get it done. And I still do this. I still struggle with this, you know, but it takes time and it takes revision and it takes work and it takes that process and rushing that process doesn't always work. So if it, if you can get your book done or written in three months, more power to you success if it takes you three years it takes you three years mm-hmm. you know try not to set yourself up for disappointment because you're going to have to face enough of that as it is and i would say the next one is don't that i would teach myself is don't bite off more than you can chew you know mm-hmm. understand what you're writing you know because i wrote this first book and i was like oh i can write this huge book and like the first draft was insanely big it's like almost one hundred fifty thousand words and to be able to go back and say, that's never going to sell. You know, look at your demographic. Look at what you're selling. Understand what you're, you're biting off. Don't create more work for yourself. You know, because right now, by the time I've published The Protector's Beginning, it's down to like 82,000 words. You know, yeah. I almost cut that book in half. That, you know, there, there's some series that are in 130,000 words. <laughs> I know, exactly. So it, it's it's really understanding, you know, what's your demographic and what, what are you going to take on? You know, do you want to create more work for yourself? So, you know, and that's the big one. And then the last one, I would probably just put, you know, it's okay to get burned out. Mm-hmm. You know, I have actually this last few weeks, this last month or so, I published a short story recently, but I haven't been writing much. And uh, sometimes you get those dark moments of, you know, am I really still a writer? Am I really going to do this? You know, do I really have what it takes? Mm-hmm. You know, just but to be able to know that, yeah, you do. You don't have to be constantly writing. You don't have to be those people that are pounding out product. You know, it's okay to have those those dry times, those dark times. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know, um, you never know what might happen that will, you know, inspire the next story or, you know, there's a lot more to writing than actually the, the writing part of it, you know, sometimes getting your mind in the right place and and everything that that's going to help you more than, you know, struggling to, to get out a, a few words every particular day. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, Kyle, your uh, uh, your website is uh, kyletdavisbooks.com, and uh, people can also follow you uh, on Twitter, so um, they can get uh, uh, Protectors beginning now, and, and you've got, uh, obviously, more stuff on the horizon. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Gabatron.